0: Chapter Twelve of the Talleyrand Maxim by J. S. Fletcher. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve, The Power of Attorney. Collingwood had many things to think over as he walked across Normandale Park that morning. He had deliberately given up his Indian appointment for Nesta's sake, so that he might be near her in case the trouble which he feared arose suddenly. But it was too soon yet to let her know that she was the cause of his altered arrangements. In any case, that was not the time to tell her that it was on her account that he had altered them. He must make some plausible excuse. Then he must settle down in Barford, according to Eldrick's suggestion. He would then be near at hand, and if the trouble, whatever it might be, took tangible form, he would be able to help. But he was still utterly in the dark as to what that possible trouble might be. Yet of one thing he felt convinced, it would have some connection with Pratt. He remembered as he walked along that he had formed some queer, uneasy suspicion about Pratt when he first hurried down to Barford on hearing of Antony Bartle's death. That feeling, subsequently allayed to some extent, had been revived. There might be nothing in it, he said to himself, over and over again. Everything that seemed strange might be easily explained. The evidence of Pratt at the inquest had appeared absolutely truthful and straightforward, and yet the blunt, rough, downright question of the blacksmith crudely voiced as it was found a ready agreement in collingwood's mind as he drew near the house he found himself repeating stringers broad yorkshire what were that lawyer clerk chap for barford pratt doing about there what right had he to be prowling round neighbourhood at that bridge and at that time come now there's a tickler for somebody and even as he smiled at the remembrance of the whole rustic conversation of the previous evening and thought that the blacksmith's question certainly might be a ticklish one, for somebody. He looked up from the frosted grass at his feet, and saw Pratt. Pratt, a professional-looking bag in his hand, a morning paper under the other arm, was standing at the gate of one of the numerous shrubberies which flanked the grange, talking to a woman who leaned over it. Collingwood recognised her as a person whom he had seen twice in the house during his visits on the day before, a middle-aged, slightly built woman, "'neatly dressed in black, and wearing a sort of nurse's cap, "'which seemed to denote some degree of domestic servitude. "'She was a woman who had once been pretty, "'and who still retained much of her good looks. "'She was also, evidently, of considerable shrewdness and intelligence, "'and possessed a pair of remarkably quick eyes. "'The sort of eyes, thought Collingwood, "'that see everything that happens within their range of vision, "'and she had a firm chin and a mouth which expressed determination.' He had seen all that as she exchanged some conversation with the old butler in collingwood's presence a noticeable woman altogether she was evidently in close conference with pratt at that moment but as collingwood drew near she turned and went slowly in the direction of the house while pratt always outwardly polite stepped towards the interrupter of this meeting and lifted his hat good morning mr collingwood he said a fine sharp morning sir i was just asking mrs mallathorpe's maid how her mistress is this morning she was very ill when i left last night better sir i am glad to say mrs mallathorpe has had a much better night i am very pleased to hear it replied collingwood he was going towards the front of the grange and pratt walked at his side evidently in the same direction i am afraid she has had a great shock you are still here then he went on feeling bound to make some remark and saying the first obvious thing still busy ah, mr eldrick has lent me so to speak until the funeral's over to-morrow answered pratt there are a lot of little things in which i can be useful you know mr collingwood i suppose your arrangements you said you were sailing for india won't permit of your being present to-morrow sir collingwood was not sure if the clerk was fishing for information pratt's manner was always polite his questions so innocently put that it was difficult to know what he was actually after but he was not going to give him any information, either then or at any time. "'I don't quite know what my arrangements may be,' he answered. And just then they came to the front entrance, and Collingwood was taken off in one direction by a footman, while Pratt, who already seemed to be fully acquainted with the house and its arrangements, took himself and his bag away in another. Nesta came to Collingwood, looking less anxious than when he had left her at his last call the night before. He had already told her what his impressions of the inquest were, and he was now wondering whether to tell her of the things he had heard said at the village inn. But remembering that he was now going to stay in the neighbourhood, he decided to say nothing at that time. If there was anything in these vague feelings and suspicions, it would come out, and could be dealt with when it arose. At present he had need of a little diplomacy. "'Oh, I wanted to tell you,' he said, after talking to her a while about Mrs. Mallathorpe, "'I—' There's a change in my arrangements. I'm not going to India, after all.' He was not prepared for the sudden flush that came over the girl's face. It took him aback. It also told him a good deal that he was glad to know. And it was only by a strong effort of will that he kept himself from taking her hands and telling her the truth. But he affected not to see anything, and went on talking rapidly. "'Complete change in the arrangements at the last minute,' he said i've just been writing about it so as that off i think i shall follow eldrick's advice and take chambers in barford for a time and see how things turn out i'm going into barford now to see eldrick about all that nesta who was conscious of her betrayal of more than she cared to show just then tried to speak calmly but isn't it an awful disappointment she said you were looking forward so to going there weren't you can't be helped replied collingwood all these affairs are provisional "'I thought I'd tell you at once, however, so that you'll know, if you ever want me, that I shall be somewhere round about. In fact, as it's quite comfortable there, I shall stop at the inn until I've got rooms in the town.' Then, not trusting himself to remain longer, he went off to Barford, certain that he was now definitely pledged in his own mind to Nesta Mallathorpe, and not much less that, when the right time came, she would not be irresponsive to him. And on that, like a cold douche, came the remembrance of her actual circumstances.' she was what eldrick had said one of the wealthiest young women in yorkshire the thought of her riches made collingwood melancholy for a while he possessed a curious sort of pride which made him hate and loathe the notion of being taken for a fortune-hunter but suddenly and with a laugh he remembered that he had certain possessions of his own ability knowledge and perseverance before he reached eldrick's office he had had a vision of the woolsack eldrick received collingwood's news with evident gratification he immediately suggested certain chambers in an adjacent building he volunteered information as to where the best rooms in town were to be had and in proof of his practical interest in collingwood's career he there and then engaged his professional services for two cases which were to be heard at a local court within the following week pratt shall deliver the papers to you at once he said that is as soon as he's back from normandale this afternoon i sent him there again to make himself useful i saw him this morning remarked Collingwood. He appears to be a very useful person. Clever chap, asserted Eldrick carelessly. I don't know what'll be done about that stewardship that he was going to apply for. Everything will be altered now that young Mallathorpe's dead. Of course, I personally shouldn't have thought that Pratt would have done for a job like that, but Pratt has enough self-assurance and self-confidence for a dozen men, and he thought he would do, and I couldn't refuse him a testimonial. "'and as he's made himself very useful out there, "'it may be that if this steward business goes forward, "'Pratt will get the appointment. "'As I say, he's a smart chap.' "'Collingwood offered no comment, "'but he was conscious that it would not be at all pleasing to him "'to know that Lindford Pratt held any official position at Normandale. "'Foolish as it might be, mere inspiration though it probably was, "'he could not get over his impression that Eldricks clerk "'was not precisely trustworthy. "'And yet he reflected he himself could do nothing.' It would be utter presumption on his part to offer any gratuitous advice to Nesta Mallathorpe in business matters. He was very certain of what he eventually meant to say to her about his own personal hopes some time hence, when all the present trouble was over, but in the meantime, as regarded anything else, he could only wait and watch, and be of service to her if she asked him to render any. Some time went by before Collingwood was asked to render service of any sort, At Normandale Grange events progressed in apparently ordinary and normal fashion. Harper Mallathorpe was buried. His mother began to make some recovery from the shock of his death. The legal folk were busied in putting Nesta in possession of the estate, and herself and her mother in proprietorship of the mill and the personal property. In Barford things went on as usual, too. Pratt continued his round of duties at Eldrick and Pascoe's. No more was heard, by outsiders at any rate, of the stewardship at Normandale as for collingwood he settled down in chambers and lodgings and as eldrick had predicted found plenty of work and he constantly went out to normandale grange and often met nesta elsewhere and their knowledge of each other increased and as the winter passed away and spring began to show on the normandale woods and moors collingwood felt that the time was coming when he might speak he was professionally engaged in london for nearly three weeks in the early part of that spring when he returned he had made up his mind to tell nesta the truth at once he had faced it for himself he was by that time so much in love with her that he was not going to let monetary considerations prevent him from telling her so but collingwood found something else than love to talk about when he presented himself at normandale grange on the morning after his arrival from his three weeks absence in town as soon as he met her he saw that nesta was not only upset and troubled but angry i'm glad you've come she said when they were alone "'I want some advice. "'Something has happened, "'something that bothers and puzzles me "'very, very much. "'I'm dreadfully bothered.' "'Tell me,' suggested Collingwood. "'Nesta frowned at some recollection or thought. "'Yesterday afternoon,' she answered, "'I was obliged to go into Barford on business. "'I left my mother fairly well. "'She has been recovering fast lately, "'and she only has one nurse now. "'Unfortunately, she too was out for the afternoon. "'I came back to find my mother ill and much upset.' "'and there's no use denying it. "'She had all the symptoms of having been, well, frightened. "'I can't think of any other term than that. "'Frightened. "'And then I learned that, in my absence, "'Mr. Eldrick's clerk, Mr. Pratt, you know him, "'had been here, and had been with her for quite an hour. "'I am furiously angry.' "'Collingwood had expected this announcement "'as soon as she began to explain. "'So the trouble was beginning. "'How came Pratt to be admitted to your mother?' he asked. "'That makes me angry too,' answered Nesta, though I confess I ought to be angry with myself for not giving stricter orders. I left the house about two, he came about three, and asked to see my mother's maid, Esther Mawson. He told her that it was absolutely necessary for him to see my mother on business, and she told my mother he was here. My mother consented to see him, and he was taken up, and as I say I found her ill, and frightened, and that's not the worst of it.' "'What is the worst of it?' asked Collingwood anxiously. "'Better tell me. I may be able to do something.' "'The worst of it,' she said, "'is just this. My mother won't tell me what that man came about. "'She flatly refuses to tell me anything. "'She will only say that it was business of her own. "'She won't trust me with it, you see. Her own daughter. "'What business can that man have with her, or she with him? "'Eldrick and Pascoe are not our solicitors. "'There's some secret, and—' "'Will you answer one or two questions?' "'said Collingwood quietly. "'He had never seen Nesta angry before, "'and he now realised that she had certain possibilities "'of temper and determination, "'which would be formidable when roused. First of all, is that maid you speak of, Esther Mawson, reliable?' "'I don't know,' answered Nesta. "'My mother has had her for two years. "'She's a Barford woman. "'Sometimes I think she's sly and cunning, "'but I've given her such strict orders now "'that she'll never dare to let anyone see my mother again "'without my consent.' "'The other question is this,' said Collingwood. "'Have you any idea, any suspicion, "'of why Pratt wanted to see your mother?' "'Not unless it was about that stewardship,' replied Nestor. "'But how could that frighten her? "'Besides all that's over. "'Normandale is mine, "'and if I have a steward or an estate agent, "'I shall see to the appointment myself. "'No, I do not know why he should have come here. "'But there's some mystery. "'The curious thing is,' "'What?' asked Collingwood, as she paused. "'Why,' she said, shaking her head wonderingly, "'that I am absolutely certain that my mother never even knew this man Pratt. "'I don't think she ever knew his name until quite recently. "'I know when she got to know him, too. "'It was just about the time that you first called here, "'at the time of Mr. Bartle's death. "'Our butler told me this morning that Pratt came here late one evening, "'just about that time, and asked to see my mother, "'and was with her for some time in the study.' "'What is it all about, and why doesn't she tell me?' Collingwood stood silently staring out of the window. "'At the time of Antony Bartle's death, an evening visit, evidently of a secret nature, and why paid to Mrs. Mallathorpe at that particular time?' He suddenly turned to Nesta. "'What do you wish me to do?' he asked. "'Will you speak to Mr. Eldrick?' she said. "'Tell him that his clerk must not call upon—' or attempt to see my mother. I will not have it.' Collingwood went off to Barford, and straight to Eldrick's office. He noticed, as he passed through the outer rooms, that Pratt was not in his accustomed place. As a rule, it was impossible to get at either Eldrick or Pascoe without first seeing Pratt. "'Hello,' said Eldrick. "'Just got in from town. That's lucky I've got a big case for you.' "'I got in last night,' replied Collingwood. "'But I went out to Normandale first thing this morning. I've just come back from there.' "'I say, Eldrick, "'Here's an unpleasant matter to tell you of.' And he told the solicitor all that Nestor had just told him, and also of Pratt's visit to Mrs. Mallathorpe about the time of Antony Bartle's death. "'Whatever it is,' he concluded sternly, "'it's got to stop. If you've any influence over your clerk—' Eldrick made a grimace and waved his hand. "'He's our clerk no longer,' he said. "'He left us the week after you went up to town, Collingwood. He was only a weekly servant, and he took advantage of that to give me a week's notice.' Now what game is Master Pratt playing? He's smart, and he's deep too. He, just then, the office boy announced Mr. Robson, the Mallathorpe family solicitor, a bustling, rather rough-and-ready type of man who came into Eldrick's room, looking not only angry but astonished. He nodded to Collingwood and flung himself into a chair at the side of Eldrick's desk. Look here, Eldrick, he exclaimed. What on earth has that clerk of yours Pratt got to do with Mrs. Mallathorpe? Do you know what Mrs. Mallathorpe has done? Hang it. She must be out of her senses, or, or there's something I can't fathom. She's given your clerk, Linford Pratt, a power of attorney to deal with all her affairs and all her property. Oh, it's all right, I tell you. Pratt's been to my office, and exhibited it to me as if as if he were the Lord Chancellor. Eldrick turned to Collingwood, and Collingwood to Eldrick, and then both turned to Robson End of Chapter twelve